This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Burst. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. Today we are having sharing the story of someone in our community with a very colourful and exciting life story. Thanks for joining us. So our guest today is Kay. Welcome to Life Burst, Kay. Thank you very much for inviting me to your show. It's very exciting to have you on the show today. And there's actually, we call you Kay, but what is your sort of longer name, I suppose, is the way to say it. My longer name is complicated. It's a Persian name. Okay. Kay Khosro. And... But my wife, Wendy, called me Kay, and that is a very beautiful name. But Kay Khosro means king of the kings. Most of Iranian name has got a meaning, and this is the meaning of my... And also my surname, Azadegan. Azadegan, if you wanted to say in English, means freeman. A person never been a slave and never made people a slave. Right. And has got the root in ancient Persian history. Yeah. Now, your story and your family history go back quite a way into that ancient history. Uh, Tell us, take us right back to your connection with um, some famous figures in history. There is a famous king of Persian Empire, Cyrus the Great, approximately 2006. 575 years ago, the man who defeated the Babylon and freed the Jews from slavery. His name is in the history, also it is in Old Testament. We believe that we are descendant from that family, the same people. Iran is a very, very old nation. And the history goes back 10,000 years ago, even more. 2,575 years ago, that man, Cyrus, he announced man come to life free, should live free and die free. So he abolished slavery and freed the Jews from Babylon that time, perhaps 10,000 or more Jews were slave, and he freed them and let them go back to their land. Today is Palestine or Israel. Even he supported them to establish their churches, their synagogue. He gave them money to rebuild all the buildings that had been demolished by Babylon. So from that time, Iran become a country that is supporting freedom of mankind. Uh, Iran was a combination of, of 16 small countries become united. And the first united nation in the planet is there. Don't look at Iran today. That is a religious country. No, it is not real Iran. The real Iran is the one that many different nationalities, 
many different culture and many different belief become united and still those people are united. So take us back to the beginning of yes. your life. I was born in a country in the middle of Iran called Zavore and the nearest city is Isfahan. I did my primary school and early days in high school in Zavore. Then I went to Isfahan and studied till university time. Then I studied biology, became a teacher. After a while, I studied a little bit more in educational technology through mass media and started working for television station that was educational television station, making programs for education. So what type of things did you get up to when you were a young child? Oh, persecution. Most of Iranian are Muslim and Shia sect of Islam. So in their belief, if a person is not a Muslim, God doesn't like this person. And when we die, we go to hell. So they decided, because I wasn't a Muslim, so I am not a good person. So in the school, teasing me and hurting me, I was a satyr. I couldn't speak really clearly. So that was a good uh, reason for the kids. They teased me. So it wasn't a really pleasant time in those days, especially that was after Second War. Depression was around the planet. My father was bankrupt because he used to make Persian carpet and selling to Europeans. And because of the second war, they couldn't sell anything. So everyone lived in almost poverty. So my childhood was always with persecution by the kids in the school, suffering from stutter, And from childhood, I decided I should learn to speak properly. I've tried hard and I'll learn how to speak. Then we moved to Isfahan. That was a very big city, 180 kilometers further. And over there, that was a different life. I finished my high school and became, uh, I wanted to go to university and I sat for exam and I was one of the uh, Number 77 of first 100 students finished high school. Very bright. Congratulations. But unfortunately, I didn't have enough money to go to university immediately. Okay. So I became a primary school teacher in villages. And I did work several years. Then I was able to go to uni and I did and studied biology. So I was a primary school teacher. Then I became a high school teacher. Then I went to university again and studied educational technology through mass media. 
and I did work for television and at the same time teaching in university. How to teach? In teacher training institution. So what about your parents? What were they doing while all this was going on? My mother was a tailor hmm. and my father was supposed to be a merchant, but he used to make a loss all the time. Mm-hmm. And from childhood I learned we can live with very limited budget. So my mom used to make dress for ladies and people. So I became a sort of tailor and still I do all the mending and the repairing in a house because I don't work as a, as a tailor, but I am. Uh, I had one brother, he was a famous tailor in our country and four sisters, all of them tailors. And because my father's job was making Persian carpet, I learned carpet knitting as well. But I never worked in that industry. Tell us about carpet knitting, creating. That sounds interesting. It is a very time-consuming and difficult, but I do have some Persian carpet in a house. All the Iranian, they do have. This is a part of the culture. Yes. If you wanted to invest money, they buy a good carpet and keep it. Mm. So it sounds like, uh, to sum up that part of your story, that um, you went from really being persecuted, as you put it, um, and uh, you took those things that you you saw you lacked and you worked hard to uh, make something for yourself uh, to come out of that um, that persecution and the difficult time that you were in. That's correct. Mm. When you work for something, you value it. If somebody, for example, has got a vision problem, he values the eye. Because I was a stutter, I know how difficult it was, but I always use my this speaking ability to communicate with people. So that's the reason I work on radio. I've got my own radio program, Radio Adelaide, and I enjoy hmm. This is Life Bursts, uh, and uh, we are speaking with Kay today, sharing a burst of his life with us here with myself, Sarah, and Matt. If you think more people should listen to this, share this podcast on social media. It's okay. You've brought some things along with you today to share with us. Uh, Matt, do you want to pick something out and he can tell us about it? Yes. Well, you've you've been brought up in a different country, in a different culture in Iran. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, show us some, some items that are um, a little bit different to what those in the West would experience. And if, if you are listening to us, we will explain them to we you will. as well. Okay, thank you. First of all, I show you, this is National Geographic. I hope friend can see it. Yeah. And in the page of here, there is an ancient figure, the figure of Persian Empire people. As I said, there was a king called Cyrus, and his soldiers were like this. So if you look at the hair, the hairstyle, I don't know if camera can see it. It's very neat and tidy. Mm. Yeah, we can we and can see it. They used to, they believe in dignity. Doesn't matter you are a soldier or a carpenter or a 
farmer, you have to eat decent, wear decent, think decent, speak decent. That was the culture of those days. Today, in Iran, there are a lot of, uh, for example, this bowl. On here, there are a lot of figures. Mm. And these figures are the soldiers of those days. And the face of them and the appearance and this one are matching. Yeah, so it, we've got a gold bowl. It is not gold. No, it's it's gold, not gold plated. Gold plated? <laughs> yes. Sorry, everybody. If, it's a if gold that was gold, gold, I was very rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's gold plated. It's a and golden bowl. And this built in Esfahan, the same city that I said. Mm. Now here, <laughs> I have got two teapot. One is porcelain or china. Uh-huh. Another one is metal. And as you see, both of them, very similar, has yeah. got a handle yeah. and has got a nozzle, whatever it is, and a top. I'm going to put this one aside and open this one. So this inside, we put water and make tea mm. okay. and use it. The same way that I showed you in that bowl, on here has got the same shape. In this section, I don't know if camera can see. I remove my finger. This is the king of sitting there. And somebody has got like umbrella on the top. Another one is really freshening his... This, that, uh, this is the type of artwork that you can see around the Middle East, especially in that city. So... People of Iran from old age, they have been trying to do something, to make something. Uh, perhaps 10,000 years ago or before, they used to be hunters, gatherer. But because the population gradually become more and more and more, so they have to stopped moving from here to there and made the first cities and civilization started there. As a result, Iranian, they needed water for agriculture and they didn't have any much water on the surface. So they learned how, without any energy, there was no electricity those days, we can bring the water is underground up for agriculture, they make kanat. And kanat is a city of well on a slope, make mm. about 50, 100 meters apart each other. And underneath, they connect it with a channel. And at the end, the water comes out. And that area, they made a village. So in Iran, when I was there, we had approximately 65,000 villages. And each village had at least one kanat. The town that I was, I was born, Zaware, had 12 different kanat that bringing water in the channel for people. Mm. Fresh water, 24-7, no energy, nothing. The only 
some people working full time and cleaning inside if there is any for example flood come and make any damage they repair it so iranian became uh they faced farmers and they made goat domestic and then started cow and other animals mm. and everywhere in the planet we go we see people they have got their own yeah. style of life this is ancient persian but from 2500 years ago till now many cities they had their own uh industry give you one example there is a city in iran called kashan kashan is close to zawari that i was born approximately 100 kilometers 75 80 kilometers there there is a huge area that has got kaolin uh, mine mining kaolin and they use that one to making this stuff the teapot the white teapot. this is not made in iran but they make similar yeah. to that in iran mm-hmm. okay. and the city of natanz still hundreds of shops they are making this and sell it and in iran the name of the tile those tile that we have got in shower and bathroom mm-hmm. they call it kashi from kashan okay and that ancient name perhaps the same time in china they used to make this in iran did the same so iranian become manufacturer producer selling this one to other countries and buy products from them and that was the time that iranian instead of attacking each other and killing each other and robbing cities and town they decided to become united mm. so the first united states of persian empire established just for be good neighbor to others and selling their product and buying their other product you're so passionate mm. ab- about this why did you move to australia hmm. definitely you love your country mm. you love your culture I loved my country and my culture as well but unfortunately some political decision been made in the world and 1979 Iranian government changed the king of Iran left and government became a religious government Islamic Republic of Iran been born for the very first time Iran had king for thousands of years but from 1979 kingship and king gone and became a country with a president but unfortunately what doesn't exist is democracy and the Iranian government is a religious government so they are trying to force their belief to people so they decided to get rid of non-muslim from government jobs i was one of them i am a bahai so i lost my job what did and they I do wasn't, there are many 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 others as well 10000 bahais lost their jobs But what 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 did they do how did they tell you 
that you'd lost your job? Oh, very simple. <clears throat> they ask us, what's your religion? And we don't lie. We say we are Baha'i. They gave us some form. We filled this up. Your name, your father's name, your address, your position, how much you get paid, everything. We fill it up. And in one section, religion, I wrote Baha'i. So a couple of weeks later, they invited me up into the office education department. And uh, a clergyman came and said, we heard that you are an infidel. I said, no, I'm not an infidel. I am an Iranian person believing God. No, you are not a Muslim and you believe in Baha'i and you are an infidel. Anyway, if you change your religion and become a Muslim like us, you are welcome to stay as a teacher. I said, I cannot lie because I am a Baha'i. I believe in God. I believe Islam is a religion God, I have got respect for Quran, the same way that I believe in Christianity, I believe in Jesus, and I love all of his writing and teaching and what he had done for humanity, but I don't call myself as a Christian. And I ask this clergy, do you believe Jesus was a prophet of God? He said, yes. He said, is it written in the Holy Book of Quran? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian? No, I'm a Muslim. I said, yes, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Moses, I believe in Zoroaster, I believe in Islam, but I am a Baha'i. So I don't consider myself as limit in Islam and others out. So he became nasty and he told me, get lost, and I got lost. And then I found myself in Australia. This is Life First, here with Sarah and Matt, and we are talking to Kay. Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. So Kay, you came to that time of uh, having no work and uh, being asked to be something you weren't when it came to your beliefs. Uh, you mentioned that you're a Baha'i and not everyone will be familiar with the, the Baha'i faith. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the belief is behind a Baha'i. We believe, I believe there is one creator and is God. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what name we give it to him, Persian, Ancient Iranian, they call it Ahura Mazda. Arabs, they call it Allah. The Jews and Christian, Yehovah or Jehovah. But there is one God. We believe the same way there is one God, there is one human race in this planet. And also, there is one religion, this religion of God. These religions that exist in the planet from the ancient one, like the time of Abraham, Moses, then we go further, Zoroaster in Iran, Buddha and Krishna, further in India area, and then Muhammad, and now Baha'u'llah, that we believe, all of these are manifestations of God in this planet, and they came for one purpose, 
And the purpose is education of us. They came to educate us. We believe all of these, they have got one purpose, and that is educating us. And all of them, they get their inspiration from God. That is a main belief of a Baha'i. So, I believe in Jesus and Moses and Abraham and others. So we don't say we are right and others are wrong. We say all of them are right. But these religions that today exist, they are different stage of the belief of mankind. Imagine you go to a school and take a child of six years old, five years old to school. The first day they teach this child to sit down and behave and do some drawing. And by the end of the year, they can write their own name and they get some knowledge about what happened around. But the same child, many years later, become a professor of university. Mankind is the same. The people of 10,000 years ago, we couldn't tell them this planet is round and is rotating and get energy and light from sun and we can travel from here to there. That was impossible. 100 years ago, if you tell people there will be a mobile phone, you are standing here and talking to South America, and you can see them and talk to them and say no. <laughs> because day by day, mankind is improving. So we believe God created us the way that we can improve every day. So prophet of the past, their teaching was based on understanding of people of those days. Moses could and knew about today, but he wasn't allowed to tell people because people couldn't understand. Jesus said, I have got a lot to tell you, but you cannot understand now. Because Jesus could see today. But mankind couldn't. We couldn't. Now, we believe that at the moment, humanity is in a stage that must be united. Islam was good for Arab 1,400 years ago. What Moses brought that time was good for his people to take them out of Egypt and they start their own civilization and not be a slave anymore. Jesus was able and he knew anything and everything that today exists. But imagine people of that time could understand, definitely didn't. So a Baha'i believe in oneness of religion. We don't say there are many religions. We say there is one religion, but this religion is at different stages. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's helpful to clear that up. Mm. 
Well, back to your story, uh, as someone of the Baha'i faith, when, when you came to realize that you could no longer stay in your home country in Iran, yes. how did that process then pan out for you that you mm. sought to move away? It wasn't easy. I had some friends and relatives, they lived in Australia, and I wrote to them and they knew that I lost my job and my wife, unfortunately, she got sick had internal cancer. And that time was the war between Iran and Iraq and the hospitals were full of injured people. And there was no hope for her treatment. So what we did, what I did, I sold my house and whatever I had gave it away. Even I left my car in the side of the street. I had a Mercedes Benz, five years old. And we left Iran and we went to Pakistan by camel. We flew from Tehran with aeroplane to nearest city to the border. And uh, we paid a lot of money to some people, a smuggler, in the middle of night. I eight hours walking and my wife, sick wife and mm. children on the back of the camel. And we end up in Pakistan. United Nations had an office, UNHCR, in Kuwaita, the city near the border of Iran. And they accepted us as refugees. I had evidence to tell them that these are my problem. And after 11 months living in Pakistan, in the city of Lahore, uh, I did apply for a refugee. And with the kindness of Australian government, been accepted. We came to Australia on August 1985 and four weeks after, on 8th of September, my wife died. Mm-hmm. Difficult. Mm-hmm. I had three kids. Uh, my English wasn't good. Still, it's not good. That's and good. Uh, <laughs> I finished all the money I had. I saved. So... I decided to do something practical. My education not been accepted. Even I had two master's degree and I was about to get my PhD in education that they kicked me out from university as well. It wasn't just from work, from university as well. Mm. I wasn't allowed to finish my education. Mm. Anyway, here I started panel beating, spray painting, buying cars, repairing and selling as a backyarder. Then after a year, I met my future wife, Wendy, and she accepted my three children at her own. She raised them, and I encouraged her to finish her education. She went to Adelaide University and studied mechanical engineering, and then she got a job with Australian National Railway, as a railway engineer, and still she is working in the same field. So we moved to Port Augusta for four years. Then we came back to Adelaide again. We settled in Adelaide Hills. And this is the second house in Adelaide Hills that we live at the moment. So we became Australian. My children, even they don't speak my language, my daughter, She's about 40. She speaks just English. But two boys, they speak Farsi as well. So 
we settled here, became Australian. I am a very proud Australian and trying to do something the same way Australia gave me refuge and helped me. I try to do something for Australian as well. And I do. This is Life First with Matt and Sarah, and we are talking with Kay. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app, or you can share this on social media. It's okay. You've talked a lot about God and Jesus and Moses and all of these other people, but how do you know that God loves you? And how did he help you get through that time of getting to Australia? If God didn't love us, he wouldn't send his manifestations to us. For example, Jesus. Hmm. Even Jesus, when they asked him, what is God? He said, God is love. So God created man because of love. So he loves me. And I love God too. And I love all his creation. This is something that if we understand, we are not here in this planet to be a part of nature. We eat and drink and grow up and get old and one day die. We have got to do something. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, writing of my religion is ask why, why God uh, created us. He said to know me and love me and work for ever advancing civilization. So God has given this task to us that work for ever advancing civilization. It means we have to improve this planet. Mm-hmm. We have to make it better. We have to love anything and everything. Unfortunately, humanity still is in the end of childhood and the beginning of be a teenagerhood. So we make chemicals that is harmful to us. We create steel war. Imagine two teenagers, as soon as they don't like each other, they start fighting with each other. Humanity is still fighting. We have war all the time. Mm. Animals fight as well. But animals fight for food. But men fight for power. And this is something that is not like. God wants we in this planet be united. And that is the aim of the Baha'i faith. Oneness of mankind in this planet and world peace. And we are trying for that. This is that we as Baha'is believe in. And so how do you see that God helped you to get to Australia? Definitely God give me. God opened the door. And that is me to step into or not. Mm-hmm. Some people think God is sitting there and is waiting for us. We do something wrong and he punish us. No, it's not like that. Human is authorized to do whatever wants, but not harm others. When you go to a restaurant and they have got 
50 different type of food, you choose what you wanted to eat. The owner of the restaurant, they don't force you. Say, Sarah, you have got to have this one. If you don't, I lock you up in that room. They don't. God created us, has given us wisdom, and we understand that what is good for us and what is not. But before we understand what is good and what is not, and we choose good one, his manifestations, as you are a Christian, Jesus told you what is good for you and what is bad. But Jesus is not standing next to you. If you don't do, he punishes you. No, he came once, gave you the guidelines with love, and you are putting this into practice. That is God that's for every one of us. So we are created by God. We love God the same way he loved us and created us. These are the principles of my religion as well. I said the aim, the main aim of Baha'i faith in this planet is oneness of mankind and world peace. 50% of population of women and 50% of men. If you go to a children's hospital, almost 50-50 boys and girls. But in some part of the world, still in this time, in 21st century, they believe men or boys are more important than women. We don't. Baha'u'llah said there is no difference between men and women. In the sight of God, uh, sex is not uh, the difference because we are two different, but we have got one duty. The soul is a man and the woman is the same. In Baha'i faith, equality of men and women are one of the principles. In Islamic society, they don't like this one. And saying that the Baha'is are poisoning the society. Women must obey men. And men must be in authority and say, why God hasn't got any women prophet? So that means women are not wise enough. They are not capable. And this sort of um, attitude is not good for 21st century. Mm-hmm. So Kay, how have you, uh, now that you're here in Australia, with the background that you've had, your own experience, but also your faith, how, how have you sought to live that out here uh, as you've, you, you want to give back to uh, society? How have you been living that out the last few years? When I came to Australia, the first day I arrived in Australia, I noticed I have chosen the right country and right people because the moment we arrived, there was an ambulance in airport waiting for my wife. Wow. They took her to hospital. But over there, they take the lives of people. They don't have respect for half the population. So I love this land. I love this culture. I love these people. I love this, this uh, government. Mm-hmm. So if I can do something, I do. When I started working with Community Access Television, 1995, I joined Ace TV. Till last day the television was working, I did work because I could do. 
That was my contribution. Two days a week, I close my workshop and go to television station and work. When Channel 31, that today is 44, established, I was a member of a group of volunteers. We came together and decided Adelaide needs a community access television and we established. And since I am working with them, that is I can do. I do work as a volunteer, Camellia uh, Society of Adelaide Hills. I am one of the members. Uh, Tuesdays, my wife doesn't go to work. She goes to Camellia and work in the garden. I go and work as a garden. But this is what we can do. And anything I can do, I do it. Because this contribution of individual in Australia created this land different from those they take the lives of people because of their religious belief they are still in the stone age in this way and Australia is in advanced stage here is university over there is the primary school and I'm looking forward today that all people of the world think like Australians I don't say Australia is a perfect country, but if you compare it with other parts of the world, here is the perfect country. This problem of coronavirus, Australia has got the least patient, the least people are sick because we have got a government cares and people, they work with government. When they say, don't do this, wash your hands, wear mask, or stay a meter and a half away from each other. If there is, you see you have got a cough or a sneezing immediately, they did. That is the reason Australia, even is not as advanced of America, but in this case, here is much better than America. This is Life Verse with Matt and Sarah. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle Raw Cut AU. Now, Kay, we are in this beautiful studio here. You mentioned your involvement in community television. Uh, this is this is your baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about uh, the creation of this studio as you got involved in community TV. Why we made this one? Because we didn't have a studio available for making community television programs. When I started with Channel 31 many years ago, then I was 44, even we don't have, we didn't have a studio. And one day, myself and some of my friends, we decided to build a studio inside the warehouse where station was somewhere near Coca-Cola. So what I did, we went around the city and collected all the timbers and whatever I could from uh, rubbish inside of the street and then we bought some new panels as well and we built a six by six meters studio and a two by three meters <clears throat> I'm sorry uh, the control room and I took my cameras there and we established the first uh, studio for television mm. 
Sometimes later, a studio could afford and built another studio. So I brought my equipment here and chose this room as a little studio for our production and other communities as well. For example, Afghan community of Adelaide, sometimes they use the studio, you using, and some other friends, they come. So this is a community access uh, studio, and uh, we paid for, but whoever wanted to use, they use it. And this is my contribution to community. And of course, Reese Jarrett is the young man that he really working with your group as well. Mm. He's a very good, um, he has got a lot of knowledge about production. He knows everything about computer that I don't know much. And we're helping each other. This exists. Mm. And I hope we can continue serving community. It's a great asset too. And here hidden in the Adelaide Hills as well. Yes, Mm. in the sterling. Yes. So tell us about the backdrop right now that we're looking at. Do all these things move around? Do they change for the different television? Uh, the background of here, many times we changed and that was black and even Charlie one day. Somebody told me it's too black, is uh, depressing, so make it nice and vibrant. So I bought these panels that you see here. Um, people can see there. They're white panels. White panels. panels. (laughs) These are plastic. We put it there and they made all of this. This behind me, this blue one. These are, I bought this. It's plastic. We bought it from Bannings and put some light behind it and all this light here. We collected, we bought it. And so, as you see here, this table, I made it to, if they show this table right now, yes, this is, we made it for this, be mm. able to put a microphone here. We had sound problem all the time. So even it is not beautiful, but this microphone is the best for the production. And bit by bit, develop till today. We learn every day. Yeah, this might be a good time to uh, to, well, to thank you for use of the yeah, studio. Thank you. It's allowed LifeBurst to now uh, operate in a new format. And uh, while people are still listening on, on radio, uh, we are now accessible in a number of different ways and formats. But this That's is really a great pressure for a refugee come to Australia and be able to do something so simple. Mm. I wish I was wealthy enough to do something bigger and better, but we do our best. This is amazing. It's and amazing. you are amazing, Kay. And we want to ask you our final question that we ask all of our guests is if you had one piece of advice to share with uh, those today, what would it be? As I said before, God created us out of love. Mm-hmm. That is what Jesus said. And said, I created thee to know me, to love me, and work for ever advancing civilization. So if we take it seriously, we have got a duty, and the duty is doing something for the society. We cannot be just a user. We have to... This is a, a two-way street. We get from society, we have got to give something to the society. If you are a doctor, you have to work as a service to community. If you are a farmer, 
not just you make money. Of course, when you have got a farm and create food, you are helping community. Mm. But your aim, if is my aim is service to community, I get money as well. I have a good life. But the service to community, work as a service, is worshiping God. That is my understanding. Mm. Well, thank you, Kay. It's a, it's a great encouragement. Good to hear your story. It's mm. a story full of, uh, of grief and of uh, persecution and, uh, and travels and perseverance and uh, a real privilege to, to hear just some of that. I know there's always more to share, uh, but uh, thank you thank for that. Thank you very much to giving me opportunity to share with you this. Of course, Kay. Of course, you're very welcome. This has been Life Bursts and you can catch up with us anytime you like uh, through podcast, video podcast on YouTube and obviously wherever you get your podcast from, you can listen to us and you can subscribe there as well. This has been Life Bursts. I'm Sarah. And I'm Matt. Uh, There will be new stories every week. We are bringing stories of real people, real life, people just like you, to the world. So it's a real privilege to have you join us and share with us today. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshraw-Ozadigan with additional assistance by Brett Freeman. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.